Hello. Welcome to Close Talking. I am Jack Rossiter Munley. Before we get to the show, I wanted to take a minute to mention that you can subscribe to Close Talking on the iTunes Store. The podcast is also available on Stitcher and SoundCloud. Today, Connor and I discuss an excerpt from Don Lundy Martin's Life in a Box is a Pretty Life. It is a complex poem full of meaning waiting to be explored. Welcome to another episode of Close Talking. I am Jack Rossiter Munley. I'm Connor McNamara Stratton. We are two good friends with six names and one love of poetry. <laughs> it's true. Yes, it is. It's true. I've been thinking about trying to go like six, five, four, three, two, one. Oh wow! Um, but I don't. We could do that with um, Beyonce's countdown. That would be cool. But Beyonce may indeed also be a subject for another podcast. Beyonce is so good. She's so amazing. Um, but everybody anyway, Connor that. is a yeah. Everybody. It's a very uncontroversial opinion. It's true. Um, I've also got to get my dad on board. Although, the new song, Daddy Lessons, on the new album... Get Out of Town, that is the best song. It's really good. Also, Don't it. Hurt Yourself. Has he heard Don't Hurt Yourself? Yeah. that is another... He also likes that. Well, that. of course you would like that one. I love that the song. Jack um, Well, he's fine, but... That I mean, song, it's got the rock it's a vibe. Song, it's got the rock vibe, and Beyonce is just ripping oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. she is, like, I mean, literally ripping... The universe a new one in that song. Uh, no, it is so good. Freedom featuring Kendrick Lamar actually may be my favorite song. That's really I good. currently... He counts in that uh, verse. He does... Oh, yeah, he uh, does. I think he goes from eight. He just goes from ten to five. Okay. Well, we that's exactly the opposite of the numbers I wanted. I want six to zero. Anyway. Things have gone off the table. Yes. Welcome to another episode of Close Talking with Jack Rossner Munley and Connor McNamara Stratton. Connor is an MFA student at the University of Minnesota. And Jack is a freelance writer based in New York City, writes for Troll Tennis, and recently wrote for, was it One Week, One Band? I did recently write for One Week, All One about Band. Bruce Springsteen. Check 20, it out. Yes. There's a lot of it. There are 29 individual posts. It's all great. I read the first five. And I will read the next 24. <laughs> Connor's very skilled at math. I did not know there were 29. That's crazy. In total. Some of them are short. Some of them are long. All of them are written by me. Uh, so we are talking today about a poem of Connor's choosing. So take yes. it away, Connor. Uh, yeah. This is um, an excerpt from Life in a Box is a Pretty Life by Don Lundy Martin, who is a great poet. Um, she wrote Discipline, which won the Night Boat Poetry Prize, and she wrote, um, I believe it's called, uh, Matter of Gathering, Gathering of Matter, which won, uh, Kaveh Kanem, I think, like, debut collection or something prize. Um, she's really good, um, and anyway, this is from Life in a Box is a Pretty Life. Lake Interminable. I do not know where my house is. Where is my house? Summer steams by. Every border is cocked and ready. Flatten body against cool earth. Lie without sound. Be a cool corpse under wire teeth. The police are so young. They do not hear the wailing. 
Wailing, I'm told, is a figment of your imagination. What to know of the body's refusal to open, of its hidden cave? Put the cave inside another cave so no one can reach it. Perspiration aches, strain against dirt walls. I have come to you from a metal house. We had steel barriers to protect us from the sun. The lake drifts into forever. Windows here are small and I cannot see myself in them. What it is to be captured without spoons. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and just a slight, just a little quote from Don Lenny Martin about the book as a whole. Um, a lot of it, I think this is helpful context because it can be a little, I think her work is, is difficult. It's, a lot of it has to do with being in, in different kinds of boxes. Um, and so uh, this short interview, um, this person, Karen LaPree, asked, it's hard not to read the title, Life in a Box is a Pretty Life, as an ironic critique of incarceration. Is this a wrong entry point? Don Lundy Martin says, the beginning of a project can be very difficult to access. I know, though, that I never meant for the book to address the prison industrial complex directly, though it is a part of a larger critique I want to make. I'm always writing something, working on something that is a kind of before the beginning. It was like that with Life in a Box is a Pretty Life. At some point, the project gains focus like a little click, and a conceptual shape emerges around the work. The title happens somewhere in the middle of a poem. It's ironic, yes, and attending to incarceration, but incarceration writ large. All our big and little prisons. Okay. Yeah. So confinement in all areas and aspects of life to some extent. Yeah. Yeah. But still with an eye to a certain critique of... To incarceration, mm -hmm. yeah. And a lot of her work um, deals with uh, sp specifically with a matters of, of being black, being female, being queer, being black, female, and queer. Um, That's and, a lot of social and conceptual incarceration right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and specifically, she is frequently attending to the body of a person who inhabits those identities and the trauma that that body undergoes and, and how to exist in what I think she referred to in some other interview as the kind of like long traumatic moment or something. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> uh, with that, this poem. Uh, one thing to note, uh, this is a prose poem. Yeah. Uh, so there's no line breaks or anything. It's just a small paragraph. Fittingly, it looks a little bit like a two-dimensional box. I don't know how much meaning to extract from that, but um, that is interesting. Um, yeah, it's uh, just pointing out, before I point out things that I do get, pointing out things that are hard to understand. Uh, where is the speaker? I have no idea. It's unclear, you know, where, what setting, what time we're in. Um, there's a you in the poem, but we're not really told who the you is. There's imperatives in, this, in the poem frequently. It's not clear 
you know, if that's uh, the speaker talking to themselves or talking to the you. Um, there's a lot of difficult sentences. Um, lake, interminable, fragment. Um, summer steams by, feels like streams a little bit, but with steams we get the heat. Mm -hmm. um, I originally read it as streams. Yeah, And then yeah. hearing you say steams made me do a little bit of a double take. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, that is yeah. What it says. Yeah, yeah, and then what it is to be captured without spoons. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, anyway, that's just a number of problems, but maybe we can start with <laughs> yeah. things we get now. <laughs> I, no, I think that's it's interesting because it does, it's, it definitely has a feeling overall mm -hmm. that you can access, and right. there are certain points within it that I just don't know what to do with yeah. either. Um, and there are parts that I do think make a certain amount of sense. Mm -hmm. So like whaling, I'm told, is a figment of your imagination. Mm -hmm. With that, I'm going to go to somewhere that's like complaints of marginalized groups are usually pushed mm -hmm. aside and you're told, eh, yeah. you're making it up. Don't yeah. complain so much. It'll all be okay. Right. You know? Right. Right. And I do think that comes right after... Flattened body against cool earth, lie without sound, be a cool corpse under wire teeth. The police are so young, they do not hear the wailing. Um, and this is from a collection, I think, that came out last year. So certainly, you know, all the issues of, you know, police brutality um, are, are present and I think being thought through in this poem. Um, and police brutality and incarceration. I mean, I, when I get the image of, like, flattened body against cool earth, lie without sound, be a cool corpse under wire teeth. I, I get a sense of trying to escape maybe from a prison under a fence mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every border is cocked and ready. That can be the guard posts on a on a prison wall mm -hmm. to some yeah. extent. And so every border is cocked and ready. You flatten your body down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's interesting. Right. And I do also think, I think that's totally right on. I do also think cocked also refers to guns being cocked, and I also right. think it's the patriarchy being cocked. Because uh, that's... Because they a bunch of cocks. They a bunch of cocks. So, yeah, those are kind of like... I think what, in some ways, she's trying to do is is present a like a kind of setting that is like America or, or, or America for like for a black person or a black female person or queer person. So the setting feels vague in that sense, uh, even though there are specific points being referenced. Yeah. Yeah. And That's then, interesting. yeah. So then, um, and I, it, yeah. So I okay. Yeah. So here's my idea of what this poem is about. Yeah. In talking about it, I think it is the story of a prison escape. Okay. Both literal and conceptual, and I yeah. think being captured without spoons in prison, you dig with a spoon because that's okay. what you can find. Yeah. I think put. Uh, yeah. What to know the body's refusal to open of its hidden cave, put the cave inside another cave so no one can reach it. That's digging out. That's making okay. a tunnel to dig out. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. I think. Perspiration um, aches. Yeah. That's... Strain against dirt walls. I've come to you from a metal house. Uh, we had steel barriers to protect us from the sun. That's the prison. Mm -hmm. And then there's this twist. Yeah. Because the person never actually escaped. There were no spoons to, to dig the tunnel. The yeah. windows here are small and I cannot see myself in them. Mm. What it is to be captured without spoons. This whole little yeah. story is about this interminable lake 
Yeah. Which, in some ways, like, I guess, life beyond the walls, almost. It's like, yeah. you, you can't get past the walls. There's this whole thing going on. I don't know where my house is. Where's my house? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm trapped in this place that is not my own. Summer steams by. Like, season after season is moving rapidly past because they all feel the same. Mm-hmm. Then it gets into the borders. And then mm-hmm. it talks about what you can do to escape them. But to do any of that, you have to have a tool of escape. And this person has no tool. Yeah. I think that's a that's good reading of it. Um, that's a good reading of it. And the little interlude about the police being so young, going back to the wailing for a second, it, right after talking about they're so young, it says they do not hear the wailing. Mm. And then the wailing is a figment. I think that might be a reference to just historical yeah. forces at work right. whenever there's a police interaction right. or whenever there is yeah. you know, anything in society the yeah. historical context is so important and the wailing of history particularly yeah. in the context of this writer who is an african-american female queer writer those are three yeah. major historical right forces acting on right. her life not of her own volition but just yeah. by default right and so that is a very powerful and evocative way of sort of talking about the wailing's all figment of your imagination. Yeah. Like, Obama's president, racism's dead, yeah. everything's fine. Yeah, and, and, like, young police being both, like, actual officers being, like, young, but also being sort of not, you know, not, like, 200, 300 years old in terms of, like, knowing systemic racism throughout, like, being sort of young to that history, um, right. born after that or not after that history, but after a certain part of that history. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's a good reading. Um, I think that's interesting. Um, yeah, and it it's... So it's... I like taking that reading and then thinking about... It's so... This poem still resists that reading, too. Mm-hmm. And it's Very not... Very much so. And it's not, like... Uh, like the poem as you would describe that reading would be so um i don't know how to say this but like if if the poem was straightforwardly like i'm escaping from a prison and it's also all of my life or right. something right and the, the stakes were but the stakes were clear um that that would be totally different and i think it would be less haunting I think also definitely um, and part of what's yeah anyway I, there's more to say there I'm not exactly sure where to go with that but um, but there's like it's it's hard to get to that reading I think because the it's hard to see because of the twist at the end mm-hmm. what it is to be captured without spoons um, and the the slipperiness of where the eye actually is you don't actually right. know where the eye is uh, at the moment of the speaking of the poem um, that's what makes it sort of difficult I think to sort of pin down definitely and then there are sentences that don't reference I but make it sound like it is the I mm-hmm. telling you about where they are or what they're doing right. and the setting changes so rapidly yeah and is described so vaguely but evocatively yeah 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 um, it's very hard to place it and I think the poem itself doesn't 
want to be read in a particular way, and that's another type of resistance right. that's going on in right. the writing. Right. Um, yeah, and the and the lake. I mean, lake interminable. Uh, the lake drifts into forever. Um, those are those are moments that feel like they could totally be apart from this whole scene. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't we don't know where the lake is or whatever. Right. Um, it almost feels like it's maybe the internal so interminable but also internal it's the lake of self that you're trying to because right after it says the lake drifts on into forever it's followed by windows here are small and i cannot see myself in them so there's Mm. this vast lake of myself yeah again you know lake water reflections yeah seeing yourself brought back right you know then it's immediately followed by these windows are small and i cannot see myself in them they Mm -hmm. capture me Mm-hmm. They contain me. These windows aren't doing what they were meant to do. Right. They don't give me a view of anything. Mm-hmm. They just make it impossible for me to see myself. Yeah. You know? And yeah. the windows in a prison are very small yeah. slits that are designed to still right. keep people in. Right. Yeah, it's... Right. It's sort of another possible level of of that kind of containment. I don't yeah. know. I don't, yeah, the lake is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and really, all we're told about it is that it is... It goes, never ending goes on and on and on right it's yeah. either it's interminable and it drifts into forever into forever it is a vast and it's drifting into it's an eternal time right a little space time crunch there uh. <laughs> the space time crunch sounds like the most existential wrestling move <laughs> ever yeah <laughs> Or it's like a writing wrestling move. Like, right. oh, I'm just going to pull a space time crunch at the right. end of this poem <laughs> <laughs> oh dear yeah, yeah. Now I regret saying it, but I hope that it becomes wildly popular and it's used too. as shorthand in writing workshops. Right, you know, you've got a little space time. Yeah, right. <laughs> true. And by that um, I mean from now until forever. True. No, you're right. Um, yeah, yeah. And so anyway, just like other features. Um, I mean the just the sentences. So one moving back and forward one interesting a little space time crunch yeah one interesting problem that prose poems have is they still have to be poems blah 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 so you have to get the rhythm and the sounds in um and i think i think a lot of well i have lots of opinions about prose poems that we don't need to go into but i think i that, think we do <laughs> maybe not today yeah but we absolutely do right um, so one nice distinction that I use in my head uh, between the two is um, the smallest unit in a poem that's lineated is the line. So you're working with the line. Prose poems, the smallest unit feels like the sentence. Um, whereas like if you get into maybe a short story or a novel, a smallest unit might be more like a paragraph or something right. like that. Um, so what that translates to is like you have to do a lot of work within the sentence and so i'm just noticing um all the different kinds of sentences that don lenny martin uh puts in here we have lake interminable just like two words with a comma but suggestive of 
so much, but leaving out the all the articles and the verbs, the lake is interminable. Um, I do not know where my house is. Where is my house? Uh, I mean that it's interesting to me because I think if this was a lineated poem, I think the second one would be left out. Where is my house? Because it's kind of redundant. But I think that that's like an important thing in the poem uh, to introduce the question, the question, um, and to say it again in in a. I don't know, maybe a kind of rhythmic way. I don't know if that makes any sense. but yeah. um, And then all of the imperatives that come in, flatten body against cool earth, lie without sound, be a cool corpse, underwire teeth. And then, uh, and then it moves. And then I think the imperatives come back again, but in a way that I think is slightly more ambiguous intentionally. Um, but put the cave inside another cave, so no one can reach it very clear there, but perspiration aches, strain against dirt walls. I feel like the strain, it could be uh, imperative saying you should strain against the dirt walls, but it could just be a descriptive, like there is strain against the dirt walls. Um, and I think she's achieving that ambiguity because she's set up a lot of, um, you know imperatives but then she includes perspiration aches right before it which is a very short descriptive um, sentence so then when we get to strain we're, we're not exactly sure um, where where the strain is um, and yeah and then I also think the what it is to be captured without spoons is striking because a the spoons you're like where the spoons come from right yeah like, it's like what the f because where? where I go with what is it to be captured without I'm thinking without like a gun to your head without handcuffs yeah. without some means of restraint but yeah. she's talking about what is it to be captured without a means of resistance yeah which is a total flip yeah and then the resistance she's providing you is a spoon yeah and yeah that's a pretty meager form of resistance right right and it's actually what it is which I think is the other trick that I think she's tricking. So there's in the middle, what to know of the body's refusal to open of its hidden cave. Here we have a question with what. So I feel like then we're set up to think about like if it starts with what, we're gonna have a question, you know? And it's interesting that she omits what is it to know of the body's uh, refusal to open, but it's like, or you know, or what is there to know of the body's refusal. So again, we're having these omissions that are uh, both making the sentence more um, intense and precise, but also leaving the, the precise meaning open much larger. But then the last, I feel like you wanna read it, what is it to be captured without spoons as a mm -hmm. question? but it's what it is to be captured without spoons. Somehow it's declarative. It almost makes it like a summation of the poem. It's yeah. Like the poem has been describing the feeling of being captured right. without spoons. Right, like that, yeah. It, it switches it completely. Right. It's almost like, yeah, there's like a colon at the end of I cannot see myself in them colon what it is to be captured without spoons. Or right, yeah. Um, which is interesting. But I think that she, she, is, she has to introduce all of these different sentences because because she's in a prose poem 
Um, right. And I think she needs that uh, variance to like keep the poetic rhythm moving. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and this poem is not a very long poem. No. And the sentences themselves, none of them are very long. No. But there is a vast array of sentences in it. Yeah, no, I know. Um, Pretty incredible. It is. That's most of my thoughts on it. <laughs> I love it. Um, this is a great pick. Yeah, I don't know. She's so... I think she's so good, and I think I think she's... I mean, she has kind of like... So she teaches at the University of Pittsburgh, um, and she's won like a lot of awards for her work. Um, so she has kind of like cachet in a certain sense, but I think she's like very underread, um, and I think a lot of that is because... Her work is very deliberately difficult. Um, so if you take nothing else from this podcast, go out and find books by Don Lundy Martin. Yes. Read them. Read them. And that way, if we visit her work again in another year, we will not have to say that she is a criminally underread poet of great talent. Yes, exactly. We can say that she is an adequately read poet <laughs> of great talent. I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and read them aloud, I think, too. Uh, especially the prose poems, because there's a lot of sounds happening there. Um, I can just, sitting here and hearing Connor read it was very helpful because I read it numerous times just on the page and hearing Connor reading it aloud was very helpful in forming any sort of coherent thoughts about it. Yeah, yeah, and I think, obviously, ideally, you will have Jack in the room and he will provide us with a great sort of, like, reading of, like, what's happening in the poem. But I also think, even if you can't get there, there's still a lot of, um, substance that you can derive from from what's happening here, even if you like sort of don't have like a, a gestalt of what's going on. Um, As ever, Connor is far too kind. Um, <laughs> I think that probably wraps up. Yeah, uh, this yeah. poem. Yeah, I um, can't take any more flattery. So, Connor, <laughs> all right. why don't you read we'll, it again? We'll read it one more time. All right, uh, from Life in a Box is a Pretty Life. Lake interminable. I do not know where my house is. Where is my house? Summer steams by. Every border is cocked and ready. Flattened body against cool earth. Lie without sound. Be a cool corpse under wire teeth. The police are so young. They do not hear the wailing. Wailing, I'm told, is a figment of your imagination. What to know of the body's refusal to open, of its hidden cave? Put the cave inside another cave so no one can reach it. Perspiration aches, strain against dirt walls. I have come to you from a metal house. We had steel barriers to protect us from the sun. The lake drifts into forever. Windows here are small, and I cannot see myself in them what it is to be captured without spoons. And that's going to do it for this episode of Close Talking. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find episodes of Close Talking on the iTunes Store, where you can also subscribe to the podcast, and please leave us a review if you like what you hear. 
In between episodes, you can stay up to date on the latest Close Talking news by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash close talking or on Twitter where our handle is at close talking. We also would love to hear from you by email. Let us know what you think of this episode or if there are poems you think we should cover in the future. Our email address is closetalkingpoetry at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time on Close Talking.